0: Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs. We are in the final home stretch of the legislative session here in Jefferson City. So with just a couple days left in the session, we thought we'd get an update on where things stand for Missouri Farm Bureau's priorities. And to do that, we've brought in B.J. Tanksley, our Director of State Legislative Programs. B.J., thanks for being here.
1: Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an exciting time. Everybody looks forward to the end, but there is a lot of work to be done here in these last four days of session.
0: Yeah, it's like it's a marathon and then you get right up to the very very end and everyone's running like crazy and then you hit the end and it's just over and everyone <laughs> looks at them looks around and says what happened here yeah there's a lot of that what happened uh, yeah.
1: with the marathon analogy it is there was a definitely a slow pacer yeah. at the front of this thing and yeah. now we are uh at a full sprint so here we are yeah
0: well and with last year's session being cut short and yeah. so weird with the covet this one's been definitely an unusual one trying to catch up on some things. But yeah, like you say, it has taken a while to get going.
1: I do think you're right. I think um, that plays even probably a bigger role than we even think about. On a day-to-day, you're just dealing with what's in front of you. But I do think there is some of that included in kind of the pressure to do more this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to the radio this morning and heard uh, they were talking about kind of what someone thought about the flow of session. And I think largely this session will be kind of was largely shaped by the idea that the House and Senate leaderships came in with two different priority issues. It wasn't necessarily party breakdown, but it was the fact that Senate leadership was very interested in passing transportation funding legislation, and the House was very interested in their top line being an education reform bill. And I think that largely... You know, when you look back at this session is going to be a lot of what shaped this session, knowing that those two things were going to come to a head at some point, which almost always happens in the last few weeks. Um, shaped what happened the rest of the year. It made mo- both bodies do things differently. They weren't going to pass a lot of each other's legislation until their thing got done. Mm-hmm. And so that jockeying for position largely shaped how we got where we are now, mm-hmm. which is here we are, things are starting to move, which is an exciting time, but there's a lot to get done.
0: Yeah, and just to set the table here, it, there's only a very limited amount of time left because mm-hmm. there is, is I think, a constitutional deadline that it has to be the session ends on Friday, no matter what, right? Yep,
1: Friday at 6 p.m., no matter what. Um, I've seen them in the middle of bill debates at that time, and everything shuts down and they start doing their congratulatory speeches. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it will end at 6 p.m., no matter what. Hopefully, um, the legislative work is pretty well done at that point and we're
0: not scurrying for one more thing. <laughs> well, there are a number of things we're scurrying for yes. right now. But yes. We have a few days left today. We're speaking Tuesday morning for because uh, a lot of the things that we talk about here in the next few minutes probably will have changed by the time a couple of people listen to it because it just is a fast-moving thing. But um, just so you know, that's the perspective we're looking at this from right now is a Tuesday morning um, in the last week. So top priority for us has been this year, eminent domain reform. Uh, where are we with that right now?
1: Yeah, top priority this year and has been for a number of years. Let's be honest, there's been a number of years here where we've been looking to pass legislation um, to eliminate the power of eminent domain for merchant transmission lines. We've covered this well but it's a new type of entity uh, looking to have the power of eminent domain and we are looking to the legislature to set the precedent of this going forward um, that this is not a proper use of eminent domain power, that this is uh, not something that we want to be and I think uh, President Hawkins said well that we don't want to be the the uh um the trans, The transmission highway for the Green New Deal of yeah. moving all the green power through the state of Missouri, knowing that states around us have said no to this type of thing. Um, the The issue is in conference committee actually right now. Now that sound, may sound strange to folks because we've never said that the Senate passed a bill. Um, the House has passed it, but then they amended it onto a Senate bill that had passed relating to a utilities bill, and it is on Senate Bill One Forty One. Um, that bill is being handled by by Senator Bean, who was the original handler of the um, of the eminent domain legislation, and it's on Senate Bill 141, which is in conference committee. This is Tuesday morning, and that bill will have its actual conference hearing uh, this evening. The Senate is set to take a recess or break around 5 p.m., and we will have a hearing on that bill, where we expect to strip the bill down to the eminent domain provisions, and then have finally have Senate conversation on that issue. You know, the one thing that supporters and our side of the the conversation has been asking for for years, is let's have an open conversation about this on the Senate right. floor. Um, there's been a lot of whispers of who's for and who's against and that kind of thing, but let's have a true conversation. Let's let the legislative process play out. And we'll let the chips fall where they are, but let's let this process play out and at least ha- give these folks a shot. You know, in April, we brought over 200 people to the Capitol asking for legislative action. Those folks heard from statewide leaders, Lieutenant Governor Kehoe, Secretary of State Ashcroft, They also heard from legislative leaders, and not one said anything other than, we're going to give you a shot at this, that this should be done, and we need a shot on the legislative process. Mm -hmm. So now it's time. Um, With just a few days left, we know the calendar gets short. But this is a major issue that not only Farm Bureau members, but landowners across the state have been asking for for some time. And I think... In the last few days, we're going to get our shot at it. We're finally going to get some floor time. Uh, Senator Bean has done a great job of prioritizing this without um, browbeating people over the top with it. Everybody knows it's a priority for him, but he hasn't been out there pushing it. But now it's time, and we're going to get we're going to get our opportunity, or I expect us to here in these last few days. So we're excited
0: about that opportunity. It'll probably be a late night, uh, but that's that's what you do the last few weeks. Yeah, and there have been a, a number of members of the legislature that, like you say, there have been rumors of people that are, I guess uh, you would say they're trying to be cute about their positions and hide behind process and blame something else or say they're for it, but really be behind the scenes against it and getting them on on record in front of, uh, everybody would really be nice uh, so we can really see where we stand with
1: this. Well, and, and we all know that that's the legislative process. Yeah, but for those those people that are going to be impacted by this, it's personal to them. Right. These are people that are literally going to have to give up their property or look at something that they don't feel like they got fair value for being placed in over their farm uh, for the rest of their lives. And they deserve to have that that honesty in this process. That's all they're asking for
0: at this yeah. point. Yeah, definitely so. Well, uh, the one you mentioned a little bit ago as a top priority mm-hmm. f- on the Senate side was the transportation funding. That's been – if eminent if domain has been our top priority, that's 1A. Um, for the past several years it's been trying to find some way to increase funding for our roads and bridges because it's been now 25 years yeah. since we've adjusted that funding mechanism at all. And uh, the the power of um, inflation has been just eating away. At yeah, well, and yeah. the cost
1: of construction plus inflation makes it a lot. Yeah, Absolutely. the
0: impact of our fuel tax right now is way
1: less than it was when last adjusted in nineteen ninety six, I believe it was. Um, and and the the transportation supporters and Senator Dave Schatz came together with a, a pretty creative idea. It's a refundable fuel tax increase uh, phased in over five years uh, for a significant increase. It's twelve and a half cents, but um, for any who chooses to do so, they can ask for the refund on that additional tax. And so um, there's some real opportunities. You capture most of the out-of-state sales. You know, a lot of people talk about the number of uh, miles driven on our highways and fuel purchased is actually a large number of that is from out-of-state usage. Um, So this would capture the majority of that, um, but then allow everyone, if they chose to, not to to have to pay it and and get that as a refund. Um, This bill, you know, Yeah. I don't know how well I covered it in previous episodes, but we all thought this is where we would get to. The Senate had prioritized it and it was going to come down to negotiations between the House and the Senate and whether or not those would work out. Mm -hmm. Well, it looks like they're working out. Mm -hmm. Um, The the Senate said transportation is our number one Senate leadership, not all of the Senate. Mm -hmm. Um, But the House said we want to see education reform move. and. Everyone observing was kind of like, OK, where does this, you know, this is going to come to a stalemate at some point. Well, last week, the Senate came to a, uh, an agreement to allow the education reform bill to move forward. Now, it's not full education reform that though the education reformers, and I'm making air quotes here, would have hoped for. But it is a step that they would ask for. Um, so that bill was able to move in the Senate last week. And so now it looks like it's the House's turn to move transportation. Uh, We're gearing up for a full push. This is Tuesday morning. We've said this a couple times. But I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, we probably see House floor debate and possibly a vote on this transportation funding measure, which is a huge step in the right direction. Missouri Farm Bureau is fully supportive of this. You know, when we talk to members recently, we hear more often than not, well, something's got to be done. No matter what's happened in the past we, where voters have said no, level-headed people who are thinking about the big picture are thinking something has to be done. Things can't just continue to say the same, and we can't continue to say no to additional funding. Um, there's also going to be some federal opportunities. You know the federal administration is talking about infrastructure packages. Usually those come with matching requirements. Uh, we wouldn't be able to fulfill a lot of those requirements right now with the current funding. Level, So I think we have an opportunity here. Um, four days left, but I do expect that issue will come up. Mm-hmm. Um, the vote will, not, will be close. Um, so we all believe the votes are there to pass it, um, and we think it's the right thing to do. It will be a close vote. It'll probably be contentious. The one thing to watch on that for people that are watching closely is um, – We really need the House not to amend that bill. Um, It's a heavy issue, as we all understand. Uh, The Senate sent them a bill that they had agreed to, and this late in the game, amending that bill might be as equal to to preventing
0: its passage. It just might be. Logistics. There just wouldn't be time to run it back through the Senate and everything. And And you've
1: got Senate feelings over Mm -hmm. other bills. And at this point in session, bringing back such a hot topic would just be probably a killer for the measure. Yeah. So so, uh, they have other
0: things that they have on their plate right now lined up.
1: (laughs) Their agenda is completely full, and you add that
0: one in the middle of it. Would be a real problem. Yeah. yeah. So that one, as uh, hopefully, yeah. is more likely than some of the other things to see the finish line. Um, it's going to get there. Whether
1: yeah. or not it crosses or not, we'll see. We hope it does. It but, yes, I do think thre- it gets threshold. to see
0: the finish line. Um, then uh, another issue that is kind of wrapped, so several things wrapped yeah. together. We've talked about agriculture issues, yeah. uh, specifically things that relate to uh, directly to agriculture whether that be at the Department of Agriculture or other issues. Where do you see that stuff going um, over the the last couple of days? Here,
1: yeah, I'm real optimistic. Um, <laughs> optimism comes and goes with the last few weeks, right. but as of today, I'm very optimistic. We have some real opportunities there. You know, when you talk about agriculture bills, this includes things like um, the biofuels, which um, we talked about biodiesel usage, ethanol usage in the state, masbud tax credits, um, private pesticide applicator training. Um, actually, private pesticide applicator training, the up Updates to that were included on a professional registration bill, which has been truly agreed. So that's kind of a check mark we can put in there. Mm-hmm. But all of these issues were included into an agricultural omnibus bill in Senate Bill 37. Senate Bill 37 includes a lot of these measures. It includes um, biodiesel and ethanol incentives, it does include the MazBeta tax credit extensions, and several other pieces. Um, Small pieces. These are easy tweaks that were then rolled into one bill, um, and those are included in Senate Bill 37. That bill is in conference right now. Um, but the, the thing that makes me hopeful is the Senate um, had been worried about, let's say, the biofuels. It was a state mandate of biodiesel stole, sold in the state. Well, through compromise, that bill's actually changed from a mandated level of biofuels and all fuel sold to an incentive to incentivize distributors to sell higher blends of biodiesel. Now, it still achieves the goal of using more biofuel, biodiesel in the state, um, but it goes about it from a different way. It allows those in the in in the market to make their own choices. Now, does it incentivize the choice that the state would like to see? Yes. Uh, but it does achieve the goal of using more biodiesel and still achieving those goals of cleaner burning fuel, uh, helping our f- r- uh, rural and farm economies. So we're excited about that. So compromise was reached on House Bill 529. That bill... The standalone is ready to be voted on in the Senate. It's procedural, but they've closed on the bill, which essentially means they've agreed to the bill, just haven't taken the final vote. And additionally, the Masbita tax credits yesterday had a similar thing happen. That standalone bill was debated on the floor. They came to a consensus and then they closed on the bill. They haven't taken the final vote, but that could happen, you know, just in minutes. Those bills are also included in the agricultural omnibus bill. So I think that paves the way for us to actually move this agricultural omnibus bill, which is large agreement. We could include the compromised versions of the Masbita tax credits, which cut the extension from six years years, I believe, to five years, that's fine. We can deal with that. What we need to have is surety into next year and the following year. Okay. So we can work with that. The biodiesel, uh, um, and it also included the ethanol incentive program, which is similar to biodiesel, which incentivizes higher blends of ethanol usage. And so this will allow those bills to move forward um, and I think also allows the Ag bill. I think we can achieve a lot of our goals through th- those bills. Um, and it's just it, it's going to take a couple of time. It's going to take a little time, but I think we get that time. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. At this point, I was encouraged by the movement we saw yesterday. I think you will see the omnibus bill get its conference committee hearing, or or move through conference committee probably today or tomorrow, which will line us up for a Thursday or a Friday passage, which um, is a major step forward. It's been a while since we've passed like an ag omnibus bill. We've passed pieces, but nothing like that. And I think it's a real opportunity to put a number. of of these small and medium and a couple of big issues behind us and, yeah. and really excited about what it'll do for the state and, and agriculture. Yeah, and these are things that
0: I think will have large impact within our industry, but they may not make the headlines of the major newspapers. Yeah, the um, biodiesel and the us, so.
1: biodiesel and ethanol will. You know, mm-hmm. those will make headlines, but the other things, too, will have an impact for sure. Yeah. The, the MASBita tax credit programs have done great for the state. Whether okay. it's meat processing, helping bring new meat processors to the state, um, helping incentivize local processing, those mm-hmm. kind of things, um, helping begin the ethanol industry. Yeah. those That's what these tax credits were do, were for, and mm-hmm. they've done a great job and, and really excited about the opportunities into the future.
0: Sure. Well, one more thing that we talk about every year is feral hogs. <laughs> um, there's always something going on with that, trying to yes. uh, break, beat back that scourge. Where, where are we with that this year?
1: Yeah, um, I'm excited. This bill. Um, has been a long time coming. Um, but in the closing weeks, um, we saw an opportunity. Um, Representative Roan from Portageville had a House Bill 508, which increased the penalties for holding or releasing feral hogs and it upgraded or updated the state's definition of feral hog. Um, there was some contention over that bill. Um, mm-hmm. Those, those uh, from some of the feral hog impacted areas were concerned with increasing it to a felony. Um, some had a few... Uh, individual concerns with the definition. So in the closing weeks, not seeing those bills move, uh, Missouri Farm Bureau actually went with Missouri Department of Conservation. Odd bedfellows, I know we don't normally work real closely with them. Sometimes we're seen as enemies of theirs. Uh, But we worked closely with them and actually walked around and visited with everyone and came to a compromise position. Now, what this current bill would do is allow the first offense of holding or releasing feral hogs to be a Class E misdemeanor. I think that's up to a $2,000 fine. That's, is that the highest level? That's the highest of, level okay. misdemeanor, yes. But the good thing about that is some of the negative connotations that come with a felony don't come with having a, a, a very serious misdemeanor. So I think that's a step that others were 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 more comfortable going to than an immediate felony. And then the second offense, if you ever were to be caught doing this a second time, then that would be uh, the felony definition. And so cl- still prosecutors would have prosecu- prosecutorial discretion. They could plead down those kinds of things. But if you have someone who's doing this on multiple occasions, we know that feral hogs do thousands of dollars worth of damage to public and private lands. And this is serious. And I do think this raises that, um, vision of it. The other thing to keep in mind with this, and this is not a warning, I hope nobody listening is out there thinking about releasing feral hogs, but each individual hog would be a different, um, what do Crime. you call it? Like yes. a different offense. A different offense. Yeah. Each, each, so if you release 10, that's 10. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a major deal. Yeah. So it's Definitely. something to keep in mind. And so then it does allow that felony level. So if this is a really serious offense and you've done it on multiple occasions, then you've got that um, at at the discretion of the prosecutor. And then it also went um, deeply into changing the definition of feral hog. Largely, currently, this, the definition of feral hog was whether or not they were contained. So if you're driving and you've got feral, you've got what appear to be feral hogs in the back of your truck, those aren't feral until you released them. Mm-hmm. So the, if somebody caught you, they couldn't. It was very hard to prosecute based on intent. And so now this is based. Based on whether or not those hogs have ever lived in the wild or were born of those that lived in the wild. Which is what people generally understand feral hog it's to It's exactly right. what you understood it to be, but the law needed to reflect that. Yeah. And so that's where we got. And for those who had any concerns with this, we actually worked hard um, with legislators from that area to add protections for agriculture. It says none of this could be sh- should be construed to restrict agriculture. So if you're raising hogs, uh, what they call dirt hogs or yeah. hogs on dirt, Uh, This protects those, and we went to great lengths to make sure we protected those, uh, any type of agriculture operation. We don't want to be getting anybody into trouble that shouldn't be. But the truth is, with the state and federal eradication efforts that are going on in these heavily impacted areas, the last thing we need is somebody coming back behind them and reintroducing feral hogs to an area where they've been eliminated. I think this is a major step in the right direction. That bill is in the Senate now, ready for floor debate. They could take up 508. They could also amend it onto a couple of bills, and that's what we'll be looking for here in these last few days. That bill's a little further back in the process, but I do think um, I hope we get an opportunity to finally address this. Like you said, it's something we've talked about for years. It's become a hotly contested and emotional issue, especially in the House. Um, And it shouldn't be. This is something we all agree is bad. We don't want. Nobody wants feral hogs. They do bad and they destroy properties. And we need to be doing all we can to get rid of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Last item we'll talk about is um, the issue of uh, initiative petition reform. And that's something that we've talked a lot about in the past about what the problem is, where, you know, it's too easy for out of state groups to come in and file a whole bunch of different trial balloon petitions, hoping to see what works and uh, and then try to go forward with that and pump a bunch of money into it and only get signatures in the cities, all these kind of things. So there have been efforts uh, underway to try to reform some of those things and make it uh, set up a bar that makes sense for changing our Constitution rather than 50 plus, 50% plus fifty plus one. It ought to be broadly agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, uh, we know that as we get down to the end of this session, there's some things that may may not make it across the finish line. Is this looking like that's going to be one of them this year? What do you think the chances are here?
1: Well, I, I don't like to use the crystal ball. I think I, I tried to stay <laughs> consistent with that. But yes, we didn't come into the session talking about IP reform. But given the opportunity, it was something our members would definitely support seeing addressed. Mm-hmm. The things you you crossed there were, were definitely concerns. The other being that um, we don't require them to go to all congressional districts to gather signatures. You know, that's kind of the first step in proving that there is support for this across the state. Well, if you can go to two or three counties, maybe four counties, and collect all the signatures you need, that That's not really widespread support. Um, The House passed H.J.R. 20, um, I think around spring break, uh, to, to adjust the initiative petition process. There has been a belief that the Senate was interested in taking that up. Now, what happens throughout a session when you have such a big issue hanging out in front of you that could be addressed at any time? Sometimes those issues get bargained for for other issues. Now, it remains to be seen if that has happened or will happen here in these last few days, but it could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, We are still hopeful for the, uh, the opportunity to address IP reform. The truth is this would have to go to a statewide vote of the people, and that vote wouldn't happen until 2022 anyway. Mm-hmm. So the issue actually could be addressed in the next session. But it's one of those things, I was talking to someone yesterday in the Capitol, and I said, we can't just keep saying, oh, well, we can address it next session. Mm-hmm. The truth is every year, more and more initiative petitions are being filed. These are largely issues that would never make it through our state's legislative process. You know, we're a representative uh, republic, uh, you know, a, a democracy, democratically elected representative republic. And um, that's how we think we make a lot of our laws. But more and more, the laws that could never make it through the state capitol are being moved to the ballot box. Um, we can think of a lot of them that would never have made it through the state capitol, but and, are being And a passed. lot of times,
0: the reason they're not, they wouldn't make it through the capitol is not because of politics and, you know, lobbyists holding them up because of Special interests. It's because they would be bad law. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that they don't. They wouldn't have survived the process because they wouldn't survive the scrutiny of someone actually looking at what they're proposing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. There's there's been multiple examples, and I don't want to get into exacts because some people like the, you know what I mean. But the truth is there's there's problems with a lot of those things. And when you enshrine something in the Constitution, it becomes very hard for the legislature to deal with it. The other thing to keep in mind is this would still allow the initiative petition process for. Amending law. Sure. You can do a legislative amendment, not they don't all have to be constitutional changes, but that would still allow the legislature to change those. So we we favored this. We think it's a great idea. I do think there's a rumor in the Capitol that that the education reform that moved through the Senate, it moved um, surprisingly quickly. Everybody was expecting lengthy debate, and when it came up it passed probably in about 10 minutes, which is unusual for anything to pass the Senate that quickly. Um, So there is some fear uh, and some belief that possibly IP reform was traded for education reform, which then allowed transportation uh, funding to pass.
0: And Uh, and I think you may have hit on something very important in your original statement on this is that there is definitely, just by the the way the calendar works, uh, going to be another opportunity at this next year. and oftentimes in legislating, if there is a chance to kick the can down the road, it will be taken um, for one reason or another. You can that, say that. I've yeah. got to head
1: over there at about 30 minutes, so <laughs> exactly. I can't say that.
0: That's my perspective, <laughs> but you can see how that may be what ends up happening or has maybe already ended up happening and we just haven't heard
1: yet. Well, we can all be guilty of dealing what's, with what's immediately in front of us the quickest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is an issue that is more of a long-term facing and something that probably does need to be addressed. We will be looking for opportunities in these last Few days to address it, but and it's a big deal. So this was going to be, be a heavy issue. Well, yeah. You're exactly right. This was going to be a heavy issue for the Senate. There was going to be strong opposition to it. Um, maybe even having to move the very uh, rarely used previous question in the Senate, which is considered you know the nuclear option is what it's often referred to mm-hmm. as in the Senate. Um, they only typically only move an issue of that magnitude every two or three years. I mean, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Um, is it Could it come up here in the next few days? Possibly. Yeah. Um, it'll have larger impacts if it does. Yeah. Um, so we'll still be uh, we still support it. We're still hopeful for it. Um, but some of those negotiations are way beyond the ones that I'm able to be involved in. Um, and I wasn't uh, privy to that one. So we'll <laughs> see how it works out. And, and we continue to look for that effort.
0: Well, I know you've got a lot of conversations that you need to go have, so we won't hold you up any longer, but appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us. You may have heard my phone buzz
1: a few times during this one. It's weird uh, to... There've become a lot of early night, late nights, and early morning conversations this time of year. Really optimistic about about where we are. We appreciate the legislature's hard work this session. It has been a long session. Um, when I was writing my my report for the for the week and for the year, um, there's a number of issues we've asked to be addressed this year. We've seen a couple of them addressed. Um, with private pesticide applicator training. One thing we didn't touch on was broadband funding yeah, through the sure. state's budget, which was finalized last year. There was 10 million including for the broadband um, it's to office of broadband to continue that momentum and connect- connecting Missourians there's also federal funds coming for the broadband program so we're excited about those opportunities there's been several good things happen and I think here in the next couple of days we'll end up seeing a number of these things crossed off the list now I'm going to remain optimistic that we cross them all off the list but I do think we see a number of these long-standing issues uh, put behind us this session really excited about what happens in the next
0: couple of days Well, I certainly hope so I'd love nothing more than next year to say well what do we do? (laughs) We won everything last year. You and I both. (laughs) All right well thanks again we'll get an update from you at the end of the session and see what actually ended up happening with all these things but best of luck and uh, appreciate all the work you're doing over there for us.
1: Hey thank you very much and thank you to all our members who joined us for our capital connections and our various uh, rallies. We rallied for property rights I believe that was April 20th had a great showing for that. We had a A half a session worth of Capital Connections, which I think was seven or eight visits, really do appreciate everybody that took their time to come to the Capitol and visit with us. Um, Their impact on what we're talking about really does make a difference. Uh, Not just being another guy in a suit talking about it but them, actually see our members visiting with them about why they care about these issues uh, really made a huge difference. Definitely a
0: big impact. All right. Well, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you.